another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I'm your host, Renee Craven, and today we're chatting with Karen Greaves. After working in a few companies doing Scrum, in 2012, Karen Greaves started growing Agile with Sam Liang to fulfill their dream of helping more companies become Agile. In 2018, Karen moved to New Zealand and started a new chapter working internally in organisations. In 2022, Karen quit working full-time, sold nearly everything she owned, and started living full-time in a van, creating a life she loves. I really enjoyed my conversation with Karen today. We hope you enjoy this episode. Karen, welcome. Thank you. I'm very excited to have this conversation with you today. Uh, To kick things off, though, can you share with our listeners, how did you find Agile? Um, sure. I think I, I was thinking about this and I was like, huh, oh, I think Agile found me. <laughs> so um, I was quite lucky. I think it was in 2001, I applied for a job and went for the job interview. I was still a developer back then and went for the job interview. And they told me, oh, we do this thing called extreme programming, you know, to developers at any computer. I'm like, okay, that, that seems interesting. Cool. Whatever. Never heard of it, but okay. And um then they offered me the job and they said to me, they're like, we think like we'd like to offer you the job of what we call the on-site customer because um, they said we should we should ask someone who's organized and you dress the neatest for the interview. So do you want that job? And I was like, um, okay, I, I guess. <laughs> and so I ended up being what was what would you would nowadays call a product owner, but I found out later that the other people who came to the interview, one of them had food on his shirt. <laughs> so I, I question how well I, you know, how smart I was dressed. But anyway, I, I fell into a kind of product owner role in an XP team. We had a coach that took us from like, um, came out from the UK and taught us, you know, how to do pairing and how to do proper um, XP practices. And And at the time I had no idea how special it was. And it was also only my third job ever. So I was like, okay, this kind of works, but I really didn't know how unique it was until I left that job and went into a normal job where I was a project program manager in like um, classic V model outsourced delivery. We were the we were the vendor, the cheap vendor in South Africa for a for an international um, you know company in Europe, and all of the bad things that happened in Waterfall happened there, and so. Um, yeah, it's only after that that I was like, oh wait, that agile thing that I did that that was that was different. I should I should look for that again. So um, yeah, I think that was a really good experience. And then fast forward several years, I ended up somewhere, and and a boss, a new boss came in and said, I want to do Scrum, and I went and read Scrum and XP from the trenches over the weekend, and went, ah, oh, this is like that XP thing I did. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I can roll that out to a hundred people, no problem. <laughs> Let's just say the rest is history, but um, yeah, <laughs> the first one didn't go so well, the first rollout, but uh, yeah, I've learned a lot since then. Mm. And uh, well, I think we figured out a couple of months ago, or maybe it was 12 months ago, um, that our paths crossed. What year that was, was that? That was the job. 2010? That was the 
Yeah, that was the, that was the one of like, um, sure, I can roll it out to 100 people and have people from the Australia office come and model what we were doing. So that was my first ever coaching gig when I met you. Um, yeah, so, uh, wow. well, you're still doing it. And yep. most of the people at that company are still doing some form of agile. So yep. I guess it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. No, <laughs> no. Um, uh, I found you quite... Um, uh, what's the word? Inspiring. I I I, li- I really really liked what you and Sam were doing. Um, and yeah. I'm like, oh yes, I'm taking this back. And at the time, I was in the Cape Town office. I was there for yeah. uh, just to observe what you guys were doing. And uh, at the time, I was doing a business analyst role. So mm. I, you know, I didn't have any kind of idea of what I was going to be doing or where this was going to take me either but um, it was pretty cool to see two females leading the charge Mm. um, way back in those early years for me let's say (laughs) early formative years. I I suppose that was that was unusual at 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 that time but Mm. yeah um, I think I was much more of a agile purist back then like Mm. you have to do it this way um (laughs) I I think I've mellowed a lot in my old age (laughs) uh what have you observed about the role of women in the agile community over the years um yes I was reflecting on on this um kind of before before this recording and I was thinking about you know what I love about agile and I think I think it's related to the fact that there's a lot of women in particularly in agile coaching, but I don't know if there's a connection. There is in my mind. When I was at that like outsource company um, delivering, I got, I was a, you know, very stressful job, but kind of running a team of 20 people delivering, you know, several projects to the client. And um, I got great performance feedback, but I remember a manager saying to me, um, in my annual performance appraisal, because of course that's how we did it. Um, you're great. You're just too emotional. You need to just not be emotional. And I, and I, I of course, um, left it going. He's a stupid idiot. What does he know? Um, but I think I feel like there was this expectation that when you work, you emotions shouldn't enter it, and you should be this like, I don't know face with no emotions and you shouldn't cry at work and you shouldn't, you know, whatever. And I, I just, I always failed at it. I was just like, I'm sorry. When I get upset or frustrated, I cry. It's it's just what I do. Tried to change it. Doesn't happen. And then kind of found agile, found like early, early on in my coaching career, went to a talk with um, Lisa Atkins and was like, wow, this is completely different. This, I can embrace who I am. I can embrace all of my emotions. It's it's part of who I am. I don't have to filter that for work. And I think to me, the two are related. The fact that it's agile, the fact that it's people centric and the fact that there's a lot of women in that space kind of are all blurred together in my mind. And I, I think what it's led to is people being more authentic in the workplace and people acknowledging that their emotions are part of the work that we do and we have to deal with that at work. And and a lot of the stuff we do in Agile is dealing with those emotions. So, mm. yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but that's, that's I think that influence has has come about from bringing more women into, into that coaching role. And, yeah, mm. I don't know if that matches your experience. 
Yeah. Uh, while you were talking, I was thinking how, um, you know, there's a, a strong focus on diversity and inclusion and mm. uh, in workplaces um, these days. And um, maybe that is, you know, an agile environment is more accepting and more, uh, I don't know what the words are, flexible, uh, adaptive, um, trusting, caring, all of those sorts of things um, yeah. in, uh, to, to all kinds of people because we've always been about uh, cross-functional teams and bringing different um, and diverse brains together yeah. to come up with yeah. a solution for a problem um, collectively and, mm. uh, you know, that just goes, it just means something deeper now when we talk about the, that diversity of, of um, brains coming together. Yeah, def- definitely. And, and it's, it seems to me in, in the agile space that it, you know, I've learned to really value not just diversity for diversity's sake, but hang on, if I find someone who thinks really differently to me because they've had a completely different exposure to things as mm-hmm. they've grown up through the work that they've experienced, you know, they're going to see this in a completely different way. And that's, that's really useful to me. So, um, you know, really seeking out people who've had a different, different life and just what, what they, what they bring to the picture that, that you can't see because it's a blind spot. Mm. 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 Now we have to move into your topic and okay. this is this is the exciting part for me because what you've titled your topic is how I created a life I love. Yep. Tell me more, please. Okay. So I'm going to start with, I think this is inevitable for agile coaches. And so I think other coaches start to do it. I mean, Sam's Sam's doing something as well. And the more I talk to people, the more people are doing it. So you can tell me if it resonates for you. But I think as coaches, we spend so much time perfecting the skill of reflection. And I was talking to someone recently who's a neuroscientist, neuroscientist, who says that the reflecting part of the brain is actually the last part of the brain that develops. So it's how you tell that your brain has matured. And I think we spend so much time reflecting and learning to reflect and, you know, helping teams reflect and learning to self-reflect that inevitably we start applying this to ourselves and our own lives. (laughs) And so if I think about the last, particularly the last, I could say the last five years of my life, it's, it's been heading in this direction, but definitely the last two I can see how I've taken all of those skills from agile and reflecting and gone, okay, how am I finding my life? What do I like? What do I not like? Okay, I don't like this. How could we experiment? What could we change? What could we alter? Okay, that I see how that's working. How can I change that? How can I change that? And so kind of going through this iterative process um, and almost and also kind of speeding up that iterative process and and what's come out the other side, I almost don't recognize myself, but I'm like, I can't believe how happy I am (laughs) and it's not doing any of the things that I was led to believe would make me happy. And so I kind of guess what I also want to know from you is like, how common is that as agile coaches? Is that, is that where we're all heading? 
Mm, well, um, in my case, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that happened for me about three years ago and I think mm. COVID was a part of the trigger for me for that, to, for what I did. And, um, yeah, so uh, I, I did a Pilat, my Pilates instructor course in uh, during mm. COVID and I'd always wanted to be a Pilates instructor and always had that in my mind as something to do when I retire. And yeah. um, I kind of fast, I just wanted to do something different um, outside of what I do from a day-to-day perspective. And um, that ended up being something that I did full time for um, probably six to 12 months, something like that. And mm. I mean, COVID and um, not traveling and things like that made it a little bit uh, easier to do that full time. Mm. Um, to the point now where, you know, I have my Pilates studio, I have my Pilates clients, and I balance my my weeks, my days with Pilates and coaching and um, teaching. Um, mm. And I can't think of. Uh, any, I don't, I don't want to be anything else. Like I think I've got the right. Yeah. Um, I'm living the the right kind of life, the right color kind of balance that I've been looking for. Um, mm. And I'm also finding that I, I call it my sustainable pace. Like I find that that point where um, I am taking time for myself, so I'm doing things to learn and grow and challenge and all of that sort of stuff um, where before I would have just been doing that stuff by night and by weekends and just running myself into the ground being exhausted Um, whereas now I feel I almost feel guilty for sitting down and having a cup of tea and reading a book um, even though it's like a professional <laughs> book, um, book, yeah, it's still sitting there and, and reading a book. And I know all these other people in the world are working full time in an office, and you know, and I'm like, yeah. oh, man, I've I've got life. It's pretty life's pretty easy for me. Pretty easy, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, and then I feel guilty, and I'm like, no, I shouldn't feel guilty about that. Um, I've <laughs> made yeah. this choice. Um, so yes, yeah, so does that come from? being a coach or what was it just going to happen anyway I'm not really sure but definitely that reflection part of it um that I guess that it is that skill um that that coaching taught me that triggered it that that made it all um Mm. start that's for sure Mm. yeah and I think and, and and my experience is similar to yours I don't I don't work full time anymore and um I'll get I'll get a little bit into in into the story of what happened in the last last two years that radically changed my life. But similarly, I I literally at the table where I'm sitting now, where my laptop is, is also a massive jigsaw puzzle because I'm just you know doing a jigsaw puzzle this week because I can. And mm-hmm. so you know I didn't have any work yesterday, so you know what I did yesterday is I um but I baked I baked bread and I did a jigsaw puzzle. Mm. That was my Monday. Mm. You know it was great. And so um, I guess I guess maybe this is a good point to go back about a year and a half now. I think it was about, yeah, it was beginning of the year, not last year, the year before. And um, 
I was working full time in a very stressful job, and I I had a at the time a, a new partner who was who was home because I think he'd had dental work or something. So he was home and he was listening to me on on a call at work because it was all virtual back then. And I literally was in a meeting with people and just like wanting to pull my hair out and be like, how do you not get what I'm saying? We don't have a strategy. I don't understand what our strategy is. I don't know how to deliver anything when we don't even have a strategy. And everyone was arguing and it was just painful in the extreme. And I was in tears because we've already, you know, established that I cry a lot. (laughs) And I I literally did the equivalent of slamming the door and walking out of the meeting, but the virtual version. So you just, you know, hang up. (laughs) But I'd hung up on the call with, you know, a room full of managers. And I'm like, I just can't anymore. And I shut down my computer and I'd I'd gone outside to fume. And um, um, Sarah, my then partner, now now husband, um, actually phoned Sam because he knew I worked with Sam. And he's like, Sam, you you should, you should, you should speak. Speak to speak to Karen. Figure out what's going on. She's very very unhappy. Um, and and he came to me and he just saw me upset and he said, "You know, you can just quit." And I was like, "I could just quit." Shit, I could. I could literally just quit. And I had a three month notice period or something like that. So even if I quit, it didn't immediately mean I'd have to find another job. I had three months to do it, whatever. And I was like, and then I was chatting to Sam and Sam was like. He's right. You could just quit. And so I did. I literally sent an email to my boss that day and I quit. And and I said, and I'm taking the rest of the day as a mental health day. And he was like, emailed me back immediately, said, you know, please call me. Let's talk, whatever. But I didn't. And, you know, that weekend we were just chatting and, you know, Sorrel had an idea that he'd wanted to get a van and, and live in a van and travel around and a friend of mine had bought one and I was like, actually, that was a pretty cool idea. And so we were just browsing on the weekend. We found a van and I was like, yes, let's just do it. Let's just buy a van, sell up everything and go travel. And you know what? Between us, we've got enough savings that we could do it. I was already doing some part-time work with IC Agile. I was like, that's probably enough to live on. And yeah, by the time the Monday had come around and I chatted to my boss again, and he was trying to convince me to stay. I was like, oh, no, it's fine. I'm not upset anymore. But now I'm really excited about this new life where I'm just going to go live in a van. And and I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to travel around and see New Zealand. I've been in New Zealand for five years and I hadn't seen anything except like Auckland and a little bit of Wellington. And so, you know, fast forward a few months um, and I didn't have a job. I didn't have a house, not even like a place that we rented. We had no house. Every single thing that we owned fitted in a van. Um, and we just started traveling. And I won't I won't say it was easy because the first three months I was like, oh, my God, have I just given up the perfect life? What am I doing? Am I crazy? Am I nuts? Whatever. So there was, there was some trauma. And now I'm like, wow, I really should have done this sooner. And now we're, you know, things have changed and we're, we've bought a piece of land. We're going to put a house on it, but we're still traveling around in a van. We house it. I'm currently, you know, staying somewhere in the middle of nowhere on, in somebody's house, looking after their two sheep, their four cats and their fish um, for, for seven weeks. And so I basically have free accommodation for seven weeks. And I've just learned that, you know, all of these, all of that stress that was my life just, 
vanished in an instant. And, and because of that, it wasn't real. And I was so trapped into believing I had to have a house and have a job and have a mortgage and have a this and have a that. And you don't have to have any of that stuff. Um, and reassessing that has really made me think, why did I ever chase any of it? Why as a society have we created a place where that's considered normal? It's really just not normal. Mm. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, I used to say it when I, when I worked in a, in a job and people would be really, I'd be coaching them and they'd be really miserable with their job. And I was like, if you think about the stress and you think about quitting and finding another job, does the stress all go away? And they're like, yes. And I was like, so then it's not real stress. And, but I could never apply it to myself. Hmm. But when I reflect on what I was really stressed about was how I was going to help a venture funded startup make more money. So really I was stressing out and, and damaging my own health from stress to make some really rich people a little bit richer. And that's what was stressing me out. Like it's just nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even think they were solving an interesting problem that helped anybody. <laughs> they just wanted to make money, you know? And, and so kind of, yeah, that, that changed my life completely. And I, and I think, I think more and more people are figuring this out. And I think full-time employment in a large company that does something that's disconnected from your purpose, it, it's time has come and it's going to end, mm. actually. Um, so I promised you a quote, my point number three, because I read this book recently or listening to this uh, audio book called it's a book called digital minimalism but he actually quotes the book walden by henry thoreau and i i'd heard of the book and i'd heard of the quotes before but he does this really interesting thing where he talks about he does an experiment on economics in like whatever area he lived in the 50s or 40s or something like that and he says the price of anything anything is the amount of life you exchange for it and so he figures out that actually he can live all of his expenses for like food, shelter, etc. He can live by exchanging one day of his life for labor, one day of his week for labor. And everything else is just, you know, bonus. It's just extra. And then he looks at all these farmers, and he's talking about farming. He looks at all these farmers around him and the the theory of the time was well if you've got if you've got one acre you make this much if you've got sixty acres you make sixty times that so you should have sixty acres and he's like but it doesn't compute because all you've got is more money which you buy more stuff which you don't actually need and so he's really what you need to do is figure out every single every time every piece of money that you get all the money you get you're exchanging your life energy for it. Mm. and how much is that life energy worth to you mm. because it's really not as expensive as we think to live and so you know I I probably now from, from the various things that I do 
earn less than a third of what I used to earn. And I feel like I have more money because I just don't need very much. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and it just you just have all these more options about what am I going to do for work? Maybe I'm going to have a Pilates studio. Maybe I'm going to, you know, just write books and become an author. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to literally just go I was having a joke with Sam about this the other day. Maybe I'm just going to go work at Pack and Save three days a week and that's going to be enough money for me to live on and that's actually okay because there's no stress with it and I don't have to deal with it. And I think, I really think more and more people should explore these options. You know, I I think that we're fooling ourselves into into having to believe that we need all these things and that life is about all these other things that it's really just not about. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, that's what I've done. And it's, I sometimes refer to as my old self as fancy Karen, because <laughs> fancy Karen was very attached to all sorts of things. She had to wear the she loves her Lululemon tights and she had her BMW and she had a very expensive coffee. And I literally believed that they all were important in mm. my life and that, you know, I could taste the difference in the coffee. And, you know, I don't drink instant coffee because I've got a very uh, ex expensive imported Italian espresso machine that you make the, the coffee just so. And, and I realized that every single one of those things that we attach our identity to just limit us and they create that they create a prison for us of well now I have to have a house with electricity so I can plug in the very expensive coffee machine and I've got to earn more money so that I can go and buy the expensive coffee beans because there's no point in having the fancy machine if I can't you know use the expensive coffee beans and it, it's just this the cycle and the coffee thing's really funny because when we moved into the van, I was like, well, I couldn't, I couldn't possibly move to instant coffee. That's just, I'm, I'm sorry. And so I got the like grounds. You can, you can grind the coffee and you can do the plunger mm. coffee, right? But when you live in a van, you can't put plunger coffee grounds down your sink because your, right. your sink goes into a waste thing and you don't want that clogged up. So, so you can't do that. So, well, when you live in a house, you would just throw the grounds on the grass, right? You just throw them in the garden because they're good for the garden. Yeah, you can't freedom camp and throw shit on the ground because people think you're a litter. <laughs> so can't do that either. Okay, so I could scrape it into a, into, into a dustbin and then throw that away somewhere. But it's really messy and then you just get grounds everywhere. So I went through all of these iterations and eventually I was like, I'm just going to drink instant coffee. <laughs> it's really just a whole lot easier. And I'm not that invested in, in my coffee anywhere. And now I really like instant coffee. <laughs> and it just has simplified the whole thing. And I was like, the only thing that made this difficult was an image in my head of who I was. Mm. There's nothing wrong with instant coffee. Mm. It's got the same level of caffeine and it tastes kind of the same, to be honest. Mm. Um, and there's so many things like this where we've created this whole world for ourselves of what we have to do. And you could just drink instant coffee and you'd be fine. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so I guess I, I guess that's that's my my um life you my love. lesson is just drink instant the life coffee. You love. <laughs> drink instant coffee and don't be too attached to anything. Mm. Like those all those things that I created my identity out of, they were just stopping me from enjoying other things. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um so and then to reference another book, I read a book, another book. I see, I read a lot of books these days. <laughs> um, and it's it's um, it's by Fred Kaufman, who's a I think it's called Conscious Business, and he talks about um, there's no such thing as bad news. It's just news. The only thing that makes it bad is that you don't like it very much, because if your company loses five percent market share. You think that's bad news. But somebody else just got in, gained 5% market share. They're having a fantastic time. Like, that's good news for them. And then I was like, there must be something that's bad news. I'm like, um, maybe there's a disaster. Yeah, but then all the houses got broken down and you work in the construction industry and so now business is booming for you. So, yep, even a disaster can be good news for somebody. Mm. And, you know, so – the the it's a philosophy from um i've gotten quite a lot into into um kind of more spiritual philosophy and and things like that and there's something which is says the secret to happiness is just not minding how something turns out so if you don't care if it happens like this or it happens like that then you're happy either way and you only get upset if you really want something, if you have an expectation it's got to turn out in this way, then you get upset when it doesn't turn out that way. But if you don't really mind, then it then you can just be happy. Um, yeah. Mm. So that's that's how I created a life I love. I gave everything up, um, quit my job, and um, started drinking instant coffee. <laughs> <laughs> And it's amazing how more resourceful you become as well when you mm. have less income because, like you, I earn considerably less than what I did when I was working mm. um, full-time. And, um, you know, <laughs> my husband and I were talking about this the other day. In the old days, we call it, we would have just paid someone to do that. Or, yeah. you know, if the mower breaks down, we would have... Uh, or, or our or mower, the throttle was dodgy. Yeah. And I said, maybe we can just, and, and he's like, we need to buy a new mower. I'm like, maybe you can just buy the throttle bit and put that, a new throttle on it. Oh. Yeah. Look on eBay. Oh, look, you can get a new throttle for 20 bucks. And we're like, yeah. That's <laughs> just saved us four or $500 for a new mower. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's amazing how uh, the things that you would have just, outsourced and got a, a tradie or whoever to do the job yeah. for you because you didn't have time because you didn't have the time to do yeah. it yourself because you're exactly. always working um the yeah you, you just well, maybe we can fix that oh look at that we fixed that yeah. wow how clever are we yeah <laughs> and turns out and if you don't know how there's a youtube oh yeah absolutely teach you how to do it absolutely I've all sorts of things from, from that um just yeah you just and because you've got the time you now can do that and and it's interesting and then you feel better about it because you've actually done it yourself mm. and so mm. 
Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yep. So rewind to fancy Karen. Fancy Karen. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, she was special. (laughs) Let's say, I don't know, let's go 20 years ago. Did you ever think that you would be where you are today? No, not a chance. Even five years ago, I didn't think I'd be here. Mm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no. Not even, not even did I not think I would be here. I actively thought that that what I wanted was the complete opposite of what I now have. Mm. So was, I wasn't even looking in the right direction. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, you know, we're right now we're in the middle of nowhere and the closest town is 15 minutes drive away. And, um, there's, we occasionally wave at the farmer on the next field, but that's the only like other human that we see. And, you know, I would have defined myself as a city girl. I'm like, I need people. I'm like, that's, Mm. that's who I am. That's, you know, and, um, yeah, just literally every single thing that I define myself as, I now am almost the opposite of it, and it's okay. Mm. So, yeah, no, I I didn't even crave this lifestyle then, but strangely, now that I have it, I know that it's what's right for me, and I think that's where we get so messed up is, is we chase this life that we think is going to make us happy and it's completely the wrong stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I had a friend actually who, who knows me and she said to me, she was like, oh, I'm really interested in your whole van life journey and stuff, particularly like how you're dealing with like not working all the time because, you know, you were very career focused and, you know, your career was very important to you. And I was like, Yeah. Turns out I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out it's not that important. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) But, yeah, that used to be my identity. Like, who who are you? I'm this very, you know, very – I'm an agile coach. I've been doing this. I know my stuff really well. I Yeah, that's that's not really who I am. Mm. It's the role I filled at some point. Mm. Um, so. What kind of bread did you bake yesterday? A no need for cashew bread. Oh, yum. Mm. It's a recipe I got from a friend who got it from her sister. And, yeah, it's actually really, really simple. And you literally do like six, eight folds three times, and that's the only kneading. And it's not even kneading. It's like you kind of fold it and it's a bit sticky and that's it. And then you let it rise in a nice sunny room and then you make, I could show you some, but it's all finished. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my belly. <laughs> it's in my belly. <laughs> but yes, it's delicious. Very yeah. cool. I made banana bread yesterday, but um, it wasn't okay. as, it wasn't as cool. Do you reckon ginger would go in banana bread? Like little bits of ginger. Yeah, I think you could do that. I've put ginger and carrot cake before, mm. so there's no reason it couldn't go in banana bread. I'm going to try it next time. Yeah. Actually, I'm thinking you could do a carrot and banana bread. That would be interesting because I really like carrot. I made carrot cake about a week ago. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah. So uh, I'm sure we've got lots of listeners who <laughs> are going, oh, my God, I want to do what Karen has done. Yeah. Do you have top tips? What, what, do, you, what do they need to do? What do they need to have? My top tip was going to be I haven't regretted anything I gave up. And and yet we find giving things up so difficult. Um, And at one point when about three months in when I had this like meltdown of like, oh, my God, it's all just what have I done? Um, My hubby said to me, he's like, it's just a decision. You can go back to that life. And I was like, no, I don't want to. So I I was miserable at the time because it took some getting used to, but I knew I didn't want to go back to where I was because I was miserable. And so I think, I think that's the thing you've really got to look at. It's like, what have you got to lose? And if you go down this path, so the one thing I say, if you do it as radically as I did, give it more than three months, because in three months, you're going to have this crash where you just, all of your normal systems of, of how you validate yourself or all of those things that give you your validation because you get all this external validation are gone. You don't have the, you don't have the friends, you don't have the stuff that you're buying, you don't have the this, you don't have the nice house that looks pretty, you got nothing. You don't even have the cat that you can cuddle. Mm. I even gave my cat up. So you get rid of all of that, but only by then finding how you sustain that on yourself without those things do you really find it? So I guess my message is just try giving up some stuff and see if you really need it. But also if you're going to go whole hog, it's going to be hard first, but, but you got to get through the, and it, it's funny because, because Cyril has done this before he went and lived in a monastery. He's like at three months, you're going to have a little meltdown and you're going to have a crisis because you're going to not know what to do with yourself because you, but then, then it gets better. So, um, yeah, I think, I think people need to start realizing the assumptions that they've made about what they have to do or need to do or should do are really just assumptions. Mm. And, and it's time to test, test some of out. those assumptions. Yeah, love it. Yeah, as we do in Agile, right? Mm-hmm. Don't make any assumptions. Mm-hmm. Just test them. What what are those assumptions that you've made about your life? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're all false. Maybe they are. (laughs) Maybe you really like being a a sheep farmer. (laughs) Sheep are very cute, I will say. (laughs) We're looking after two at the moment and they run towards me for treats and I'm like, I've never seen anything cuter than a sheep running towards me. It's, It's very endearing. Yeah. Yep, this is fancy Karen wouldn't have gone near a farm or animal or sheep or anything like that. Trust me. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I want to ask you two more questions. Uh, we ask all okay. our guests these two questions. Uh, and um, <laughs> this first one will be um, interesting. What are you doing for your own professional growth? So my own growth now is not my professional growth. It's 
it's my, and I, I guess you'd call it spiritual growth. And that's a word that Fancy Karen was very afraid of. But but kind of embracing what what does that mean and what why am I here and what is what is my purpose and you know what meaning do I want from life and so yeah that 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 is what I'm spending my time on now and it it's it mostly involves doing doing a lot of reading and you know lots of lots of reflective thinking um lots of meditation uh lots of discussing life and philosophy with my partner um yeah that's that's what i'm doing professionally that i do actually listen to quite a lot of audiobooks from the library um and i still listen to audiobooks in my professional field but what i'm trying to find is the thread that weaves all of those together mm. and, and it's there mm. um and yeah so i guess that's that's what i'm doing is is figuring out the bigger meaning behind all of this stuff um yeah maybe we should do a part mm. two episode <laughs> when oh. <laughs> when you figure that out we'll we'll uh, we'll do another we'll do another episode we'll do another episode yeah okay <laughs> yeah um, do you have any final wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners that you haven't shared already? Um, I really think people need to need to question this whole working forty hours a week. Even even if you don't work forty hours a week, I we used to only work four days a week, but that full work day of of eight hours, I think it's wrong. I think I don't think we're as humans are meant to even do it. Um, and I remember being like that. It's it's funny. We had this discussion yesterday, and I was like, "Huh, today was Monday. Do you remember when we both used to work jobs, and we used to like on Sunday night we'd regret Monday because on Monday you were just oh it's Monday and there's you know there's all sorts of jokes and memes in the universe about Mondays and Fridays and I don't know what day of the week it is because it doesn't matter and that only happens when you don't have this work schedule um so yeah some of the stuff I do for IC Agile I work on Saturdays and people are like thank you so much for you know working on your Saturday I was like you do know I don't work the other days of the week. <laughs> this is my like, this is like my one of my ten hours a week that I actually work. So you know, I'm glad you feel flattered, but it's just a random day to me. But people, people are very. I was like, oh, Saturday seems to be a good time for other people. I'll work then because it doesn't really matter to me. And and so it's one of the assumptions I would question first is like, why did you make that assumption that you need to work that many hours? Hmm. Who decided that's what full-time work looked like? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's the first assumption to mm. evaluate. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time today, Karen. It's been so good listening to your story. And I'm sure our, all of our listeners are going to be wanting to try some of those tips out. Oh, 
hoping to. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll if see. I haven't scared them all off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit and Scrum.org. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a co-worker about the podcast. Please go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiative and find more inspiring podcast conversations.